Hi, this is Freddie Lynn, and you're listening to the Sports Sit Down. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. This is the Sports Sit Down, brought to you by Iona College's graduate program in sports communication and media. Follow us on Twitter at ICSportsComMA. Well, we hope we amuse you. That's why you're listening. 444 and 20 seconds on a Wednesday afternoon. 80 degrees outside. A little too hot for my blood. Mike Demergis in here with Joe D'Aloisio. Uh Welcome to the last segment of the show, the Sports Sit-Down on the Iona College Radio Hour. Uh, first off, next uh, next week, October 2nd, uh, you heard the ID there from Freddie Lynn. I had a chance to sit down with Freddie Lynn, uh, former Boston Red Sox center fielder, uh, played in the famous one-game playoff game, 163-1978, the Yankees finished on top. Uh, we'll play a portion of that interview next week with Freddie Lynn and also with Bucky Dent, who hit the home run in the top of the seventh inning, a three-run shot to give the Yankees the lead. Uh, we'll get to some pressing sports news. Of course, the New York Giants, the New York Jets, and the Yankees. The Yankees sit at 97-60, and 60, uh, had three games up uh, in the loss column uh, for the Oakland A's. Uh, two in the win column. So it looks like the Yankees are going to get that wild card spot and have home field in that one-game playoff. Yeah, it's certainly looking like that's going to be the uh, situation. And now the question begins, who's going to A, start that game? And uh, according to GM Brian Cashman, it certainly seems that he's leaning towards um, Mr. Sanchez to be the catcher, which, again... Mistake. Mistake. He can't be behind the plate. This guy is a disaster. He leads a league in pass balls, and he's only played in 72 games behind the plate. 72 games behind the plate, and he leads a league in pass balls. That's a, that's a colossal mistake. You're just waiting for something to happen. And Sanchez made a case for himself in yesterday's 9-2 victory over the Rays, driving in four runs. He had that big home run, and that's exactly what they want to see heading into the playoffs. But if they do get by that one-game play-in, and they continue to stick by him, then you start to worry about the the inconsistencies that you see from him on the field. I don't have a problem him playing in the in the uh, playoffs once it starts. You know, the longer series once the ALDS starts and everything like that, or in the ALCS. My issue is in a one game playoff, things ha- have a way of having a domino effect. So if something goes wrong, you have one big inning, you give up one big inning, and it could all be over. Oh, you can't afford to make a mistake. You can't it's afford one to make a mistake. It's one game. You can't afford to make a mistake. So it, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. And also Severino made a case for himself in terms of, of starting in that possible one-game playoff with, with his outing uh, last night against the Rays. And, and the Yankees actually got some good news in terms of the injury front. Um, according to Michael Kay, uh, just before we actually signed on the air, doctors have cleared Didi, Didi to come back. That's so that, huge. That's and that's huge. huge. Yeah. He is somebody on that team that could do a little bit of everything. Well, he at, carried the team the month of April, really. Without you know? a doubt. So when they when they had that hot start, you know, he really he really carried the team. So um, you know, Didi with those ten home runs early on, uh, that is, that is big news for the Yankees. And, and the play for him right now is to get him in in a few games right before, and hope that he's ready to go for that wild card matchup against the A's. So the Yankees have been suffering from the injury bug, uh, much of what the Mets have been suffering over the last couple of decades. Always somebody injured, always uh, something happening. So the Yankees, if they beat the A's and then lose in the ALDS is a season a failure. Yes. You're the New York Yankees. It's winner. It's, it's winner. Nothing. It's winner bust. 
Even uh, even against the Boston Red Sox, they're probably going to have the MVP in Cy Young. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, here's a they're going to be two teams that probably, uh, well, definitely have won over a hundred games. Um, you spent money. You got Giancarlo Stanton for the Yankees. Your young your young core has been playing well. Is looks like you'll have a bright future. They're they're here to win now. Well. I don't know if now it's going to be this year, maybe next year, because too many things have gone wrong and there's too many good teams. And, and Houston, they know how to win money time, and, and, and that's a whole issue. They, I mean, it's all about getting hot at the right moment. Yeah. And, and, again, you're running out of time here, yeah. but, it, you know, you just, beat, you, just, you just beat a Tampa Bay team who is 87-70 and 70, and a team that would, have, would be division champs if they were in the NL. So they're, they're beating a bad team, a good team, excuse me, later on in the season – hopefully to carry this momentum into the postseason. Well, you've got so many good teams in the American League this year, and that's the issue right there. You've got you've got so many good teams. The Indians are good. The Astros are good. The Yankees are good. Uh, and, of course, the Red Sox are, are doing what they're doing. Uh, moving to the, to the Mets in the National League, of course, this is the farewell for David Wright. Uh, David Wright could have been a Hall of Famer. Um, not going to happen. I, I think when you look at David Wright's career, he did not reach the levels he would have liked to be, and you know he certainly was was a good player, you know a, a good representative of the team. But to me, even though I'm not a, a Met fan, I'm kind of disappointed he didn't have a better career because I think he really could have had a good career. I mean, here's a guy that could have hit 400 home runs. Of course, it's easy to be disappointed. And speaking as a Met fan, um, it, it's tough because you know here was David Wright, the captain. Well, this is the your guy. guy. He this was is, our guy. Yeah, the guy that was like your father. Your father's generation. They had they had Doc and Daryl, and before that, you know Tom Seaver and such like that. You know, Wright was your guy. And, he represented your generation. And, and I, I grew up seeing the Yankees having a guy, their guy Derek Jeter, and here we are. We ha- we finally have have him, and then it then the injury just happens. And, you know, it, it's it's definitely hard to see him go and watch him go out like this. I kind of wish that this would have, he would have stepped aside a little earlier. You know, there was a sense of false hope that just maybe he would come back. And obviously that didn't happen. But I'm glad he's going to have that opportunity for one last time to get on the field this weekend. I, I don't think it's going to be the last we see of David Wright. If he wants to manage the Mets someday, he he, he, ha- he kind of has the key to the kingdom. Oh, I he has, th- a, he has a keys to the kingdom here. He I, can do whatever he wants. I think his career in baseball, it, playing is over, obviously, but in terms of being involved in, in any front office, especially with the Mets or any opportunity like that, the door will always be open for uh, David Wright. I'm not sure if you remember. You might have been too young, but the uh, the World Cup, I believe, in 2008, 2009, David Wright and J- Derek Jeter on the same team, and I just remember them standing next to each other uh, in, in the dugout, and I kind of got chills. I mean, here was the icon of the Yankees and the icon of the Mets at the time. Uh, kind of a, a great moment in, in his career during that World Cup. I, I just wish that, you know, David Wright was w- would have been able to bring some more success to the to the Mets organization, similar to what, or even a, a little bit of what Derek Jeter was able to do in the Bronx. Yeah, it, it's disappointing because he never lived up what he could have done. And, and same with the Jose Reyes, never really lived up what he could have done. You know, great player. And I, I remember an interview Buck Martinez did with uh, with Derek Jeter in 2007. And Jeter said one of the most exciting players he plays against on the field was Jose Reyes at the time. That's, that's how high Reyes was sought after at that time in 2006. Completely exciting and electrifying. And now it's time for him to step away from it and, and let this error kind of stay in the past and give it and give the keys to these younger guys and Jeff McNeil, and hopefully they could build up what was what seemed to be promising at one time for the Mets. Uh, Mike DeMergis here with Joe D'Aluisio. 
on the sports sit down on the Iona College Radio Hour. A guy that many people thought needed to go away was Eli Manning. Uh, you know, clear the Giants are alive. Stop the press. The Giants are alive. Eli, 25 and 29, two TDs. They beat. The Houston Texans, J.J. Watt, had a good game, but they were able to come through and pull this out. This this basically saved the season, and there's only 16 games in an NFL season, so this gives Giant fans something to hope for. Oh, without a doubt, and you got to be excited if you're a Giant fan. Obviously, uh, the first win of the season, and Eli looked good. You know, with that, the offensive line is still an issue, but Eli looked really solid. Only four incompletions, two touchdowns. He got he got a look, he got everybody involved. Uh, it wasn't just Odell Beckham who had another hundred plus yard game, his second of the season. The team looked like a team. They played like a team. They were able to get Saquon Barkley involved in the run game. They did a little bit of everything, and most importantly, late in that game, the defense made a stop, and that's something we haven't seen from this Giants team. Yeah, I I, I think what you saw you saw they have home run hitters, they have playmakers, but they got to be quick because they they're not going to have as much time from the offensive line. Uh, credit to the head coach, Pat Shermer, who who pulled the plug on Eric Flowers, basically, and put uh, Chad Wheeler in there on the offensive line, and it made all it didn't make all the difference in the world, but at least it kind of stabilized it for a bit. You know, J.J. Watts, J.J. Watts. Exactly. You, you can't put a 10th grader against a kid in the garden. Exactly. So. I mean, no matter what, you, Chad Wheeler, you can't, I don't blame him at all. It doesn't matter who was there, J.J. Watt was going to get to the quarterback. So, it, you know, it. They, it, I'm glad that they finally recognized and they finally did something uh, with Eric Flowers because that, that was just unacceptable. Well, the test comes again this week. Things do not get any easier as they are home for the Saints. Meanwhile, the Jets are at the Jags uh, and then home for the Broncos, Colts, and Vikings. I could see right now where the Jets are 1-6. I mean, that, that's certainly possible right it, now. It's funny how from one week to another— <laughs> What? The, the Jet narrative... fans overreacting? Jet fans never overreact no, after just, one game. That never happens. It's, it's just, not me. It's just funny that from one week, you know, the, the Giants season was pretty much over, and now it seems like that narrative could be heading towards the It's the, the NFL. Jets. It's only 16 games, and that's, the way, that's what it is. You know, one game has such an impact. And the Jets are coming off an embarrassing, embarrassing loss to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns win their first game since 2016. And <laughs> that's got to sting the most. Like here you are. You, wait, wait, you're wait, the team you that the Browns know, beat. You know it's going to happen. You knew you knew Taylor was going to go down, and you knew Baker Mayfield was going to come in. I knew this was going to happen. Now Jamal Adams um, for the New York Jets came out and said, "We you know we we didn't prepare for Baker Mayfield." I mean, you talk about throwing the coach under the bus, and this isn't a surprise. Anybody that's watched Jet games over the last few years, you know, Todd Bowles is not a great second-half coach. He does not game plan well. At least it comes across that way. And the Jets clearly weren't ready for Baker Mayfield. Oh, and it was a tale of two halves even in that game, and it's been like that the, the entire season for the New York Jets. And Todd Bowles spoke to the media earlier today and actually went out and kind of tried to backtrack and protect himself, saying that Jamal Adams misspoke. Mm, he misspoke when uh-huh. he said that he misspoke and at that point I think if you're Todd Bowles you just got to swallow swallow the bullet and move on and you know I know it's hard in, with the New York media to try to ignore that and to and to um avoid those questions because people are going to ask you were you do you think your team was wasn't prepared but this just goes back to how you know his coaching style and what's going on with the New York Jets this is a team that you know, t- week after week, undisciplined, 
self-inflicted wounds. The discipline, the penalties are ridiculous. It comes down to the coach. It's destroying the team. It's absolutely destroying the team. It comes down to the coach. And again, when you have your star defensive player who's just been in the league for a couple of years now, come out and say that, you know, it kind of, you know, usually these guys are here to protect their coach. Didn't sound like that when he spoke on uh, on WFAN the other day. Now, and the concern here, of course, is with Sam Darnold and his, and his growth. I mean, you don't want to see a quarterback start to start to throw more and more interceptions. That that was a knock on Donald, basically. You know, he, too many turnovers, and I know we talked about it when he, when he was in college. And my concern with him was like, you know, he, he's he's not getting better. And and you know, I, I know I pointed that out to people, and you know, we see it now that you know we've seen a little bit of a regression here. It's only three games, but it's the NFL in three games. Is, is like a month in baseball. Of course, but at the same time, there's going to be growing pains with Sam Darnold. I, I mean, and it's not helping him that his receivers are dropping passes, that his receivers are fumbling, miscommunication. It's going to get better for Sam Darnold. But if, and I know we mentioned this last week, if Bowles doesn't lead him in the right direction, they will get rid of him this season, 100%. If they continue to see um, Darnold progressing regressing there's there will be absolutely no reason to keep tabos around do they win this week against the jaguars or lose i think they lose i mean that jaguars it's gonna again it's they're gonna banged be, up they're banged up the jaguars too. the bay the, the jaguars are banged up but that defense is is very intimidating and it's gonna give sam uh, sam darnold a a run for his money so again don't don't be surprised if you see darnold throw maybe only one touchdown and two interceptions again or no touchdowns and a few interceptions it, it's gonna happen and what about Isaiah Corral, his uh, actions there after the touchdown? Uh, I mean, again, an undisciplined team there, clearly. I I don't understand it. <laughs> I'm watching. I, I It just, I shake my head. It does nothing for me. It's not entertaining. He made Odell Beckham's move last year uh, seem tame. I mean, you want to celebrate with your teammates. I'm fine. You want to spike the ball. It, there was no reason for it. it. Again, it does nothing. It adds nothing. And it's even more embarrassing looking back now after... After losing against the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so one and three after this week. Uh, home for the Broncos. Win or loss? <sighs> Depends on what you see this week. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I think that's that's going to be the real key. It's going to depend on what we see this week before we could de- determine any further on. All right, want to thank everybody for making this show happen. Of course, uh, our main guy, the producer engineer behind the board there, Vincent Nicole Mulderi with her entertainment report, Joe Dalawicia with his great interviews. Uh, with Joe Stabile, Dr. Joe Stabile, the El Nino Southern Oscillation. I will never forget that. I hope you guys get used to hearing Dr. Stabile and his weather breakdowns because he certainly <laughs> will join us again. Alum Anthony Carlo, Jack Breslin, Professor Jack Breslin, Mike Scarcella uh, on behalf of the rugby team and uh, the whole Department of Mass Communication, Chris Farley, the Wall Street Journal, Stella Hall as well. So thank you again for listening to the Iona College Radio Hour.